Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday. What a day of action. Plenty to bring you in the next hour. Shawnee McGrath joins us to discuss the two All-Ireland hurling semi-finals. It's Limerick versus Kilkenny in the decider in a fortnight. Jeremy McCarthy spoke to Cork sprinter Joan Healy ahead of the Cork City Games. Jackie Hurley joins to talk to us about the Women's Irish Open, which is taking place in September. And we'll also hear from Podrick Harrington, who was speaking after his round on Friday in Mount Juliet about the live golf controversy and of course the upcoming open in St. Andrews that and more all coming up before seven all right then Aidan Lee here with you until seven o'clock on Cork's Red FM we have our ad break out of the way now so we're straight through to seven o'clock um you're, there's no getting away from me now uh, so let's get uh, right into it Poland's Adrian Moronk is the Irish Open champion for 2022 he finished 20 under par at Mount Julia three clear of New Zealand's Ryan Fox Shane Lowry was best of the Irish he finished tied ninth he carded an impressive five under round of 67 today to leave him 12 under Seamus Power and Podrick Harrington both finished up on seven under par with Niall Kearney two under uh, the Irish guys seem to just jump up and down the leaderboard constantly Friday was actually a great day of action in fairness uh, with um, Lowry and Power Power was playing unbelievable stuff and then just didn't happen for him on Saturday and came back then and then played pretty well today and it was the same with, with Lowry you know he was poor the first day and uh, just shot the lights out then uh, you know they just seemed to hit form so um, it was it was a good watch and, uh, and good scoring as well I suppose in, in Mount Juliet um, Carlos Sainz won an instant filled British Grand Prix the red flag came out on lap one in Silverstone uh, Alfa Romeo's Zhou Guanju went off in a horrific crash he tangled with uh, George Russell's Mercedes and he went flying across the track into the gravel trap um, luckily for the halo the halo something that was much maligned when it first came in but like I, I think his neck could have been broken to be honest with you if it wasn't there the way he flew across the gravel and he went over the barrier over the kind of the tyre wall as well like nearly into the stands like it was it was a mental crash and uh, he walked away from it walked away from it with all the safety measures I suppose and uh, I think he just got released as well there from from the hospital or, or the medical tent wherever he was so uh, very lucky but yeah very enjoyable race in the end um, science benefiting really from Verstappen's car which I don't know picked up some damage and he managed to pull it home in seventh um, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad I suppose a recovery job from him Perez Sergio Perez uh, Verstappen's Red Bull teammate was P2 Hamilton came home in third to get onto the podium for his home race now let's get into the hurling of, of course as we've heard Limerick have beaten Galway by three points in their All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship semi-final here's a full-time report from Stephen Doyle who was at Croke Park the Galway one goal and 21 points Limerick at 27 points the full-time score and Limerick are into a third consecutive All-Ireland Senior Hurling final after a tenacious last four win at Croke Park at one point in the first half the tries men got to within a point of Limerick thanks to multiple scores from the Mannion brothers and Conor Cooney Aaron Gallan was Limerick's star man in the first half with five scores and two frees two of those in added time to give his county a four point lead at the break Galway never gave up though and an aggressive 
impressive, determined performance from them. So Henry Sheffin's team stay level with the champions right up until the 66th minute, thanks partly to a wonderful 44th minute goal. A perfect David Burke pass from the 65 dropped into the Limerick area and cost, spun and finished brilliantly by Brian Con Cannon. Galway did have to lead a couple of times in the second half, but it was mainly point for point from there with Whelan, Glennon, Mannion and Monaghan all chipping in for the tribesmen while Dermot Burns' incredible long-range freeze five in the second half were key to Limerick's win. They were boosted by the roar of the crowd for the introduction of Peter Casey and Keane Lynch midway through the second half but it was David Reedy scoring three points in the second half two late ones that really sealed the win for them. They will be back here at Crow Park for the final against Kilkenny in two weeks' time. Galway 121, Limerick 27 points. The final score, Stephen Doyle at Croke Park. Yeah, it took a while to get going, that one, but uh, turned into a really good match in the end, in fairness. Uh, more on that uh, in a couple of couple of mon- moments' time with Shawnee McGrath. First, uh, it was a dramatic, even more dramatic finish in the minor final. Tipperary beat Offaly uh, to deny the faithful their first All-Ireland minor hurling title since 1989. And... What heartbreak for those Offaly players. 117 to 116, the final score at Nolan Park. Paddy McCormack, a man who will be, he'll be living off this for a while in fairness to him and, to, and dead right to as well. Uh, uh, just a fantastic flick to the back of the net. Ball dropped in uh, to Brary, got a free in. And uh, we, we'll, we talk a bit about it later on with Shawnee and it's a dangerous lead, two points. They lobbed in the ball. McCormack went up there and just flicked it into the back of the net. Um, a great goal, great way to win it. But yeah, uh, Heartbreak for those Offaly players who came so close to ending that drought. And uh, here's Shane Lowry speaking after his final round at the Irish Open today, and he found out about the result in the 17th tee. It was I was told um, going to the 17th tee that we'd won, and then I stood on the 17th tee and saw my brother, and he uh, he gave me the thumbs down goal in the last minute. And uh, yeah, it's it's devastating for those young lads. Look. Uh, that sport isn't it like I've I've been the wrong side of a lot of uh, results and um, you know if you take the positives from it you'll be okay but obviously it's it's going to be a hard few days for them and I'm I'm good for them I'm good for Michael Dyke I'm good for everyone you know behind the scenes um, I know everyone was really excited about this I was too um, but you know like I said that sport yeah you know I was actually had my Offaly jersey in the bag <laughs> I was tempted to put it on walking down 18 if they had a one but um <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, it was it's disappointing. It is it is very disappointing. Oh, heartbreaking that. Yeah, it would have been great to see him walking down there with the, the Offaly jersey if they'd won it. Uh such a shame, but a great game and well done to to Tipperary. Uh, great achievement for them. Um now let's get uh, we've a small clip here of John Kiley speaking after their win over Galway before we get into the chat with Shawnee um, I'm after losing it now all of a sudden here we are uh, he said it was great to come out on the right side of such a tough battle yeah there's a certain amount of relief to be fair I think it was one of those games that could have gone either way but you know ultimately I think you know we kept calm kept composed trusted in, in what we were doing on the pitch in terms of sticking to our process and you know we, we also trusted our, our lads coming off the bench in the last 20 minutes so really pleased with the contribution that they made Right, let's dive into the analysis with Cork's uh, Cork legend, Shawnee McGrath. All right, Shawnee McGrath joins me to look back on the two All-Ireland semi-finals this weekend. And uh, let's start with the game we've just seen. Um, Galway gave Limerick a bit of a scare, uh, but it's the champions into another final. Um, I suppose the first half was a bit slow to get going, but it turned into a great game. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I suppose to the likes of the substitutions that maybe Limerick made towards the end, particularly David Reedy, that maybe swung the tide a bit in their favour. He got into some great ball and got some great scores. But in fairness, it was an incredible effort. Um, Henry Shefflin was very vocal and animated on the line all day, and his team, you know, accordingly, you know, played to the, to the same sort of determined fashion that he used to play with. They were all over Limerick as regards the physicality pushing up maybe on puck outs um, and getting some great scores and players like Conor Whelan uh, Ronan Glennon um, you know Brian Kincannon got a great goal just after half time yeah. Tom Monaghan they were all excellent and um, Dahi Burke came into the game um, and Padraig Mannion had a fantastic second half I thought kind of a couple of fantastic balls out of the year but you know yeah at the end of the day I suppose it was just that bit of experience that bit of news and know how that Dermot have accumulated over the last couple of years that just about got him over the line in the end do you think the, I suppose, the month's layoff and the rustiness from that fed into Limerick not being at the pitch that we've seen them at? I'm not so sure. I was at the game last night. I went to Kil- Kilkenny and Clare. It was quite the opposite. Yeah. Look, I, I think it was that genuinely Galway stepped up. Um, okay, they were poor against Cork, but you could see, you know, that physical aspect, even in the Cork game that they bring. Um, their backs are they're tall, they're able to catch ball. And they completely dominated what you'd normally associate with Limerick half forward line. You'd associate dominance on that side. The Galway half back line, I, I thought, completely dominated aerially. They were all over them. Um, and I think, like, say, Ronald Lennon was substituted for, for Galway because he completely emptied the tank. But, you know, Tom Morrissey, Garrod Hager, because rarely you see them substituted. And I think that was a testament to how well the Galway half back line had played. So, Maybe there was a small bit of rustiness, um, Aiden, but I think that would be a little bit unfair to Galway. Yeah. I thought they put a ferocious effort in um, and, and they were very, very unlucky in the end. And certainly looking at last night's, last night's game, the, 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 the layoff didn't do Kilkenny any harm. Um, no, I think it was as much to do with a brilliant Galway performance as, as much as that else. And also, I suppose, Gerard McInerney, I suppose you'd be sickened anyway when you miss an All-Ireland semi-final, but he must he must be even more sickened now because like, they would have had some chance of turning over Limerick if he was able to start. Oh, yeah, he's a pure leader. Again, back to the physicality stakes. He can combine you know, incredible strength with incredible hurling. And you know, it's become obvious over the last couple of years, the only teams really that can stand up to Limerick and really push them close are the teams that have a couple of six-footers and a couple of really strong players that can mix and it's not always about strength it's about the mix of strength and skill and you know you, you look at fellas like Gerard McInerney he would have reveled in today's performance um, he, he really would have got stuck in and would have driven him on and look in fairness I thought Jason Flint times especially in the first half played well enough but it's very hard to get replacements like um, Gerard McInerney and you could see last night with the absence of, of John Conlon you know these big players these physical strong players that really get the crowd going when they're missing it can have a serious impact and while Galway played extremely well and they really stood up I think, I think you're right I think McInerney could have been the one fellow that might have got him over the line and ultimately in the end Henry Shefflin's first year as an inter-county manager with Galway um, is there an All-Ireland for Henry Shefflin with Galway? Um, it's hard to say no two games and no two years are the same he has to go right back to the drawing board again and start all, start all over again if he stays on next year but in fairness I think as the year has gone he can be reasonably happy um, you know, they, they, I thought they had a mixed campaign up to today. Um, I can't remember a game really that they were. You know, they, they put a full seventy minutes together where you would say, "Wow, um, his fingerprints are all over the team." But you know, just listening to his pre-match comments, it was obvious the way he, the team set up. He, you know, went for a real physical approach in your face, and then as I said earlier, so animated on the line. You know, he really, really for all the all errors, the ten or eleven he's won. I think this one quick and sweet to get to Port Park on all of Day against. 
what now has become his nemesis, I suppose. Yeah. Which you know, he was he was his ally for a long, long time. Brian Cody seems to have become his nemesis in the last couple of months. You know, I think he would have reveled and loved that. Um, but I think he can be reasonably happy. Um, it's been a decent year getting to a semi final and getting so close. You know, is a great achievement. As I said earlier, though, I don't think he's got a full seventy minutes in the side um, in the campaign. And if he's doing for next year, I think he'll look at that. And you know, he has fellas as well. They're pushing on, and a year older fellas like you know Connor Cooney, who um, you know was the free taker this year. He has to find the free taker for next year. If Connor you know doesn't go, Connor's in his thirties now. So you know, you're back to the drawing board. You know, just because you had a good season doesn't mean that automatically you're going to progress and go on. But as the year went, I would say he'd be reasonably happy with with, with his finish. Looking then at uh, last night's game, as you said, you were in Croke Park. I suppose we've seen, uh, you were saying there, Kilkenny, they're so good at managing that break between the Leinster final and semi-final. And also, Clare were a, a big disappointment because uh, everybody expected them to, to give that a good rattle. Yeah, they were very disappointing. Um, they just never got going. You know, they were in the game in the first quarter, up to a degree, but you just felt, um, you could just sense, feel, you know, the whole intensity in the ground, even the supporters were greeting each score with a massive roar. I think everyone in Kilkenny was annoyed by all the speculation out there that it would be an all Munster all yeah. finally, you know. So even fellows around me from Kilkenny, they said every every score was <laughs> leafly um greeted and, you know, they just went at it from the off. They got the matchups bang on and that's what they do. I mean the, the cats are so renowned for that over the years, picking out probably the better players on the opposition side and, you know, Tony Kelly was completely nullified, so too it was was Peter Duggan and Fellas like Adrian Mullen, who's been an absolute revelation this year, um, probably got into the top scorer from playing now at this stage. And he kind of plays, you know, in that half forward slash midfield sector. He's not even in the full forward line. But the scores last night were brilliant. Um, Old Cody was really back to form. He was a complete threat all night. He put first pressure on the um, on the clear full back line, and you know, obviously then the master himself, TJ Reid, not just from 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 freeze and from play, but just his aerial ability, his ability to take ball out of the air and then bring other players into it. It was an all-round incredible performance. Maggie Butler continues to have a great campaign. He must be a candidate for, for Hurler of the Year. Completely notified uh, Tony Kelly last night. And, you know, it, it lent itself now to being an absolutely incredible all-around final because from a hurling point of view, you know, the best players in the game are, are mixed in both sides. And from a physical point of view, I think the attackers will be absolutely ferocious. They'll be, you know, <clears throat> no inch given away. So it, 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 it's... All, um, all lends itself now as I said to just an incredible Ireland final two weeks time yeah like you were looking at Kilkenny you know you, you, people were saying they're they're starting to, to fall away but they just seem to find these guys like Hyun like he's just a goal again player like and they're huge when you have them in the squad yeah and I mean last night just before his goal you could see you could, you could sense like Cody was trying to get Martin Comerford in to, to you could see it like to get an instruction in because there's a lot of ball going in and Matthew Cohn was struggling a little bit and then he goes away and he gets a goal but just because he got the goal they didn't hesitate at half time to make the substitution and they brought on Molly Walsh and he got a great score and then he plucked a great ball over the year and gave to young King Kenny whose skills all night enough to tell he picked it up got his touch his control on the ground was absolutely brilliant he made an absolutely lung busting run for the goal and finished it expertly so yeah just all around the field you know they, they, they got the matchups right all around the field fellas that maybe felt like they had a point to prove I'd say Cody on Cody in the last couple of games had been kept scoreless he was just mad for scores he was hungry for the ball um, their midfield sector was up and down Conor Brown worked extremely hard got on loads of ball um, obviously on Murphy and Golden was nice and, and solid his pockets were good so you know just as a unit they, they, they just they love going to Crow Park you know they love being under the cosh 
backs to the wall. I mean, at the start of the year, there was a lot of speculation with Henry going to Galway and Brian Cody again, fellas saying, will he ever go away with the knock of the new fellas in? Yeah. He just, for a team that looked like they were, you know, a decent side, obviously, it's always going to be Kilkenny, but you wouldn't have them as all or final candidates. He just seems to be able to produce the Midas touch all the time. And last night, it was a mix of a couple of things. It, it's actually coincidental just to look at the two managers, Henry on, on Galway's side and, and Cody with, with, with Galway. It just seems to be in their makeup. You know, you, you contest every ball on the line. You, you, you encourage, you put a bit of pressure on the officials, the sideline officials. Um, it was like looking at, at Cody again this afternoon, looking at Henry. Yeah. Um, they play every ball. They absolutely love it up there. Um, and as I said, it just lends itself now to be a brilliant, brilliant all final. Like Kilkenny are the last team to beat Limerick in, in the All-Ireland Championship. And well, I suppose, would this be like almost the crowning glory now for Limerick to go and to beat Brian Cody's Kilkenny in the All-Ireland final? And also, like, just it's the the Cody factor in Kilkenny. Like, they are probably the one side you would pick out that that might be able to stop this this juggernaut. Well, yeah, and I suppose if they hadn't beaten them a couple of years ago, Kilkenny were the one team that caught them in that semi final. You'd have Limerick maybe going for a, what would you say, a five in a row at this stage. Yeah, but, you know, even to get a three in a row would be a remarkable achievement. Um, matched in the most recent times only by a great Kilkenny team of the noughties. Um and you know would be real crowning glory stuff for, 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 for John Coyley and you could see on the line today what it means to him himself and Paul Canork it's the first time I've seen Canork so animated as well a team where they got a yellow card um, you know they realised what a challenge was ahead of them today and you know the monumental effort that Galway uh, you know made um, but for John Coyley and his charges yeah it would be a, a three in a row it would really cement their you know their, their position as one of the top sides over the last 30 years maybe in this, heading towards the category of one of the greatest sides ever because with the age profile in the side, they're not going to go either. I mean, if they can win this year, you know, the age profile is good. They can continue to dominate. But, you know, again, as I said earlier, Cody's and back to the wall stuff. Um, I mean, even reading the stack going into last night's game, it would have been three years in a row that he'd have been beaten in the semi-finals. So it, it, you feel like he almost yeah. takes, takes those stacks. And when he, he wants to rip up the farm book and... I think the same now. He won't want to be beaten. Um, he'll see. I think he'll see genuinely that he has an opportunity of winning. Because yeah. Gosfell is back to form. As I said, Owen Cody is back to form. TJ is buzzing. Um, you know, his defence, you know, it's with Mikey Butler, Mikey Carey, these fellas, they're really, which you read was excellent last night. His reading of the game was, you know, exemplary stuff, really centre back stuff. Um, and they have fellas then on the line that he can bring in. David Blanchfield is very strong in the year. He came on towards the end. So when it comes to hurling, when it comes to form, when it comes to matchups, I know, and the, that big word when it comes to physicality, this Kilkenny side, um, I don't know, is closely even, you know, or even close to, to, to take Limerick on as any side that I've seen over the last 12 months. So um, here's hoping to an incredible final. Exactly, absolutely. Uh, just quickly before we finish up with an amazing minor hurling All Ireland final earlier today. And just absolute heartbreak for Offaly. Last minute goal uh, by, I think it was uh, McCormick by, uh, for Tipperary. Ball dropped into the square. What a way to win it. What a way to lose it. What a way to lose it. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, look, it's the oldest thing in the book. Aidan, playing yourself, you hear Phyllis and Manager yeah. saying the most dangerous lead is a two-point lead. If it's a point, you're going to put it over the bar and you know go for injury time or extra time, sorry. But um, yeah, and I mean, it's all going to be hard luck story and awfully, and they haven't won all learned since '89. But there's definitely something brewing up there, and they're definitely making progress. But you've got to tip your hat off to, to James Woodlock and his. Um, you know, they've come through a really tough campaign. Um, you know, they, 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 you know, the whole county in Tipperary, I suppose, is down a little bit because their seniors had a very, very poor campaign this year. So, in fairness to them, it's going to give them a huge fill up. And uh, you know, despite 
defeat. You know, there is definitely something. Fenley's doing great work with the senior team in Offaly, so I think over the next couple of years you'll see some of those fellas coming through and hopefully getting Offaly back into the McCarthy Cup series. Absolutely, uh, Shawnee. Uh, great stuff. Thanks a million. No problem, Maiden. Yeah, Shawnee McGrath there giving his thoughts on all the action this weekend. Uh, we heard a small bit from John Coyley just before that chat. Here's the full chat. He was speaking with Stephen Doyle after the game. John Coyley, um, the feeling after that game where I suppose Galway really were in is right until the 66 minute. Is it more of a feeling of happiness or relief to get to your third consecutive final? Um, yeah, there's a certain amount of relief to be fair. Like it, was, it was one of those games that could have gone either way. But you know, ultimately I think you know, we kept calm, kept composed trusted in, in what we were doing on the pitch in terms of sticking to our process and you know we, we also trusted our, our lads coming off the bench in the last 20 minutes so really pleased with the contribution that they made We've seen Limerick pull away from teams easily in a lot of games or well, not easily but by big margins in the last, over the last couple of years how do you think Galway managed to stay so close to you in the closing stages? Well I know their accuracy wasn't great in the first quarter but I think for the last three quarters their accuracy was very good and listen they've got fantastic forwards as well who can shoot from anywhere in the field you know and they've, they've shown that right throughout the campaign that their shots you know success has been exceptionally high and they created a couple of goal scoring chances as well so you know I think they can be really happy with their performance it was just you know I think our lads in the finish coming off the bench made a difference in the last 15 minutes Absolutely you could hear the crowds were boosted when the Keane Lynch and Peter Casey came back on and they're coming back in just in the nick of time as well before the final how do you assess their performance after I know just a short 15-20 minutes Listen it's just great to get the two of them on the pitch number one you know and that game will stand to them you know you could still see that they just hadn't maybe as much work done as the others had done obviously you know you know, when you're out that into time it's hard to come back and be at the same pitch as the other players but I think you know all credit goes to Connor and to, to David Reedy and uh, you know the, those lads coming on as well you know have been doing it for us all season so you know we, we have to remember that as well Jeremy Burns' long range freeze in the second half really uh, I suppose made the difference for Limerick is there a concern about the lack of points of play maybe in that second half? Um, listen I think it's a measure of the, the, the quality of the defending that Galway put in two, you know and listen we had one or two wise that we wouldn't be happy about Dermot has one or two that he wouldn't be happy with as well you know so listen there's lots for us to go back and work on you know our performance today was enough to get through but it won't be good enough the next day we know that so we have to work really really hard in order to be up to the, the level that's going to be required given what we saw yesterday Yeah because it was a real physical battle today Kilkenny will certainly match Galway in that sense Absolutely yeah and you know should, like their performance yesterday was flawless and you know they're, they're obviously the farm team going into the final yeah, some chance for Kylie, like he's not getting away with that. Um Kilkenny have lost two games this year, like in the championship. They lost the goal in Wexford and like they did a good performance yesterday, but uh trying to pass that off that, that Kilkenny are the favourites somehow they're the form team going into this. I don't think that's gonna stick much. Um but it certainly will be a fantastic final. Now uh moving on to a bit of athletics. Uh, ahead of the Cork City Sports taking place on Tuesday night John McCarthy has been speaking to Cork sprinter Joan Healy Now it is a real thrill here on the Big Red Bench to be joined by an Irish international sprinter and uh, one of West Cork's finest athletes uh, one, uh, many athletes come out of that part of the country he said living there himself but it's fa- it's fantastic that we're joined now here on the Big Red Bench by Joan Healy Joan you're very welcome how are you? Okay. Very good thank you very much for having me on it's brilliant that you've taken time out of uh, the hec- the most hectic of schedules, I would imagine, at the moment. You're coming off the Irish Athletics National uh, Championships this past weekend, where you took part in the 100 metres, a fascinating 100 metres final race. Mm-hmm. Um, you finished third behind uh, Rashida Adeleke and Molly Scott. But 
only. Uh, I mean, there's split seconds in it. So yes. I guess the first question I have is basically from your own perspective as an athlete, what was the race like from your point of view? Obviously you want to win the race, but your progress and the closing of the gap to two of the fastest, the other fastest people in this particular, um, in this particular field, you must be, are you happy with your performance? Um, or, or what, where does it leave you now? So thrilled. Um, well, like obviously coming into this year, I've obviously had a terrible time with all my injuries. Um, so six weeks ago I was on crutches, um, after two procedures on my Achilles again. So nationals wasn't even, we didn't even think it might happen. Um, so to be in nationals, to be coming in there, running fast, to be lined up against the likes of Rashida, who was home from Texas, against Molly, the two girls who have broken the record for over the 60 meters, back and forth between them, all the indoors. Um, Sarah Lavin was thrown in there as well. Mm. Um, so like I was really looking forward to it, but I was also super nervous. Um, I, in the heats, the heats kind of took them easy. The winds were absolutely insane. So they were headwinds and they were insane the day before as well for the people that were competing on the Saturday. Um, but for us, so like usually what you would get here in Ireland, um, Obviously, we prefer tailwinds. Um, you can't go over a plus two tailwind, otherwise your time isn't counted. It's too wind-aided. So the, mil- the most thin when you get a headwind here in Ireland is usually like a minus one, which is not nice to run into. Um, in my heat, I had a 3.6. Um, so that definitely was not nice. It came out of my drive and I was like, well, I'll just do enough to qualify here. The semi-final, we had a minus 4.2, which was even worse again. Um, but after the semi-final, I, I did enough to qualify. But in the semi, I felt like I was almost at my max. And I was third in the semi. And Rashida wasn't even in that semi yet. And I was like, oh my God, what is going to happen here in the final? How am I going to pull something out of the bag? Um, but to be quite honest, you know, I just really had to kind of think back on previous championships. Um, I've always pulled something out of the bag um, at previous championships before, and I haven't always come into to nationals in good shape. Um, so this year I was really excited because obviously my preparations coming into it were not great, but at the same time I'm running as fast as what I've ever been running before. I've equaled my PB two weeks ago. So I do feel like there was a big performance in there. So, um, so yeah, I I just, I couldn't like, it's over so quickly. Um, you are thinking about so much in the race, but I got a cracker of a start. Um, I was next to Rashida, um, in the race. Um, and I was glad to be over in, in Laney, to be honest, I didn't really want to be kind of in the middle of it because it was going to be a dog fight anyway. So it was so important that we all ran our own race. Um, Molly is a wickedly fast starter. So it suited me being far away from her. I knew Rashida, Rashida is so tall. So I knew I would get out ahead of Rashida. Um, and I did, I just didn't expect to stay out ahead of Rashida for as long as I did, which was a surprise. I got to 60 and I was like, oh my God, I'm up here in the top three. I couldn't believe it. Um, but then obviously Rashida's height and her long legs, she came firing through. Um, so it really was a dip for the line. But 
to be less than a tenth um, behind Molly and Rashida. Um, I just, I couldn't believe it, um, to be quite honest. Um, That's got to be the thing, though. uh, That is it. She ran eleven sixty eight. I mean, in and in the conditions and the way you've explained and how difficult it is when the wind is like that. Mm -hmm. Considering your preparation hadn't been exactly the way you would have wanted it, that's got to be a massive confidence boost for you. Unbelievable! You you belong amongst the elite. That's it. That's it exactly. Um, The final now as well. The wind as well was it was less than the than the heats, but it was still a minus two point six. Um, so when you convert those in terms of the times and the wind and you take all that into account, that puts puts Molly definitely into, I'd say, 11.4 is equaling her PB and it puts me into 11.50, which would give me a PB. So I definitely know that I am in PB shape. Um, so I know like people would be like, oh my God, how, are you, how, how can you be so happy finishing third? But like the battle that I've had for the last two years to get myself to even the start line, um, not a mind on the podium and and then to be so close to those two girls after what they've produced already this year that to me was like a gold in itself um, so I was absolutely thrilled um, that, That's the thing I, I, I kind of took from that as well when I was watching you in, in the race afterwards like just you know it's clear as I said you're amongst the elite but now you know you belong amongst the elite mm-hmm. if you can get a clean run into any of the next championships you've got a real chance here now because you proved That's it, it. How yeah. much? Now you know how much of a fan I am of Derville Rook. I've already told you, <laughs> so I'm a fan. You can pass that on. A massive fan. Um, how much of? Uh, I suppose. Look, not how much of an influence has Derville and Marion Heffernan been on you? Because clearly, clearly, it's working, and clearly, mm-hmm. it is having a positive effect on you. But I guess the question I wanted to ask you is. What is it that the two of those individuals who are fantastic athletes in their own right and what they did and what they achieved, what is it that you've got from them that you didn't expect? I mean, you're obviously going to get a lot of experience. You're obviously going to get some fantastic tips. But Marion Heffern and Derbler work have clearly had a huge effect on you, Joan, in, in the time they've been working with mm-hmm. you. Massive. What is it? What is it? Well, the two girls themselves, they're they will never, you know, give themselves the praise. Um, anytime anyone congratulates them, they'll always say, should we've hardly done nothing. Um, and maybe from a physical side, I haven't been able to get the amount of work done that we would have liked to have gotten done. So where, like, I don't think they even realize themselves and how, how much of an influence they've had on my mental side of things. Like I, you know, I had, I spent seven years with my last coach with a great relationship. Um, I went to many championships with them and I ran really fast. But I think we, we got to a stage where we, we both knew that we need a change. Um, and I had massive respect for him. But after those injuries and I was at a point where I really wanted to walk away from the sport. Um, so I was at rock bottom and I didn't like what I was doing. But coming back with the girls, um, I just think now that I'm with them, I think it is so, and my, and my, my sister Phil will say this so much as well, that I think it's very important um, to have a coach that's been at some kind of high performance level of sport themselves. Um, Durville is a world champion. She has numerous international medals, world and European. Marion is the exact same. She's been to an Olympic Games. Um, the experience that they have between the two of them has been just so valuable to me. Um, 
And, you know, we're not doing anything, I'm not doing anything mad or wild or crazy or different than what I would have usually done in training sessions. It's nothing like that. It's just, I think they bring a level of calmness. Um, they're very logical in the way they approach a race. Um, and that That's probably had the biggest influence on me um, over anything else. Um, Durbel was there on, on Sunday and it just just the way she kind of breaks things down, just these little nuggets, these little phrases that she gives you. And I, she probably doesn't know she's doing it to me, but it's just <laughs> just how she just gets in your mind. Um, that has, I just, I can't even, it's so hard to describe. Um, I think they're the small little things that have, have kept me calm. They've kind of gotten me to fall back in love with the sport again. Um, and when you're loving what you're doing, you're going to go out there and you're going you're going to run fast. Uh, yeah, and what an understatement to, to run fast because mm-hmm. look at look at you go and look at the effect. And it was just when I heard uh, a while back that you were getting involved or you might be getting involved with those two individuals, and you've you've laid out exactly that everyone mm-hmm. knows what their history and what they are. And, and I think I think they're the right people for you at the right Absolutely. time in your career. And look, it, that's not to say you didn't have the right people before that or you want afterwards, but right now for what you need to do exactly. and where you need to get to, they are in the right place. And where you need to get to uh, is the World Championships in Oregon yes. later this year. But before that, there is the not so small matter of the Cork City Sports. And I know how important this event is to you. Before you that's tell okay. us why... Can we lay? Can can we get an? I mean, we're 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 setting it up here nicely now because if you go on the hundred meters, there are rumors, and I just say rumors, that somebody else with your surname, who's also an yes. athlete who happens to be your sister, may end up running against you. Now, can you give us an update on that? Because I have no I will update. She's right. keeping her cards very close to her chest. Um, typical Phil. <laughs> she could show up on the day on hundred, rock on. Um, she could spring it on me on the day. I'm just doing the four. Um, I have no idea. Um, if she is in the race, all the better. Before, I would have probably been like, oh my God, Phil, would you just, would you just get out of the hundred? Like you have your own event. Um, but now I'm just kind of like, no, do you know what? I relish all the competition. I'm running well. We've always run fast when we've been together. So if she is in the race. I'll only be too delighted to have her there. Um, as far as I know, Molly Scott is down to race as well. So um, the race is definitely not going to be short of competition anyway. Um, but this year is going to be more special for me because anytime I've done the Cork City Sports, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've come off nationals and I, I've been in a little bit of a hole to try and get to nationals and things haven't been going well for me. And, always tried to have to pull out some kind of performance whereas now I know that I'm only getting started I know there's a PB in there somewhere I have yet this season from the races that I have run I have yet to get a tailwind um, every race I run this year has been into a headwind so I'm hoping the wind gods in CIT will be with us uh, next Tuesday so I'm really looking forward to it and especially when it's in your home Um there's always a great atmosphere there. There's always a big crowd and everyone is just so excited to see um, who's going to be out on track. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I think that's about the best way to end uh, our, our interview, the podcast with that caveat just hanging <laughs> nicely in the air of the two Healy's possibly going head to head and Molly Scott being Hopefully. there as well. Absolutely. Hopefully, we'll see. Well, listen, yeah. um, I've I've seen it. I've had the pleasure of interviewing you a couple of times down through the years. I'm absolutely delighted to see you in the Thank form you of your much. life. The best is yet to come. 
everybody here on the Big Red Bench is looking forward to hearing about more and more success with you and your coaches Joan Healy thank you so much for joining us on the bench and all the best for the rest of the year thank you very much yeah great stuff there Jar speaking to Cork sprinter Joan Healy in the last couple of minutes as you were listening to that some massive news has broken in regard to the Cork Senior Hurling Management and it is that Cork GA officers have been informed by Cork Senior Hurling Manager Kieran Kingston that he will not be seeking a further term in the role. The statement goes on to uh, thank Kieran's uh, dedication uh, across all the years he served uh, involved with, with the Cork Seniors and uh, he gave uh, fantastic innings in fairness to Cork Hurling. He absolutely owes Cork Hurling uh, nothing but um, huge, huge news. Cork will be looking for a new hurling manager uh, for the upcoming season. Um, it's not something that was expected. A lot of people thought he would stay on. There was pretty much um, people had, had had accepted the fact a couple of weeks ago that after our uh, last week after the Galway defeat that he would have stayed he was going to stay on uh, as uh, Cork boss and uh, now this news this evening that he won't he's going to be stepping aside so uh, now the, the the real speculation ensues now as the who is going to uh, take up the mantle and um, a lot of a lot of talk about bringing in a, an outside manager for the first time ever. Um, you know, it'd be I suppose a massive change in, in in culture and you know in tradition as well here in Cork. That, you know, there's there never has been an outside manager, and um, it, it's looking like there's a bit of a push for that. Um, but look, we can only see what's going to happen now. But the news this evening is that Kieran Kingston will not be seeking another term as Cork manager, Cork Senior Hurling manager. Um, so with plenty of plenty, plenty uh, to, to to bring you, I suppose, during the week on that. And Rory will be here during the weekend. Next weekend on the big red bench as well. We'll we will keep on top of that story. Plenty of news uh, on the horizon for sure. Um, now I'm just about to bring you a bit of audio uh, from Jackie Hurley, but I'm afraid uh, my computer is after freezing slightly. Uh, so hopefully that's going to clear up in a second. It has done. So uh, yeah, moving on now, we'll, we'll look at a, a bit of golf here. Um, of course, uh, we'll hear later on from Project Harrington, who was speaking at the Irish Open last Friday. But first, uh, Drumlin Castle is hosting the return of the Women's Irish Open uh, that will be staged on its prestigious 450-acre estate 18-hole championship course from the 22nd to 25th of September 2022. Broadcaster and author Jackie Hurley is an ambassador for the for the event. She's been speaking to Rory. Joining us on the line now is our old friend, our sports presenter and broadcaster Jackie Hurley as KPMG announced that it'll become the title sponsor of the KPMG Women's Irish Open for the next three years. The tournament will take place from Thursday 22nd to Sunday 25th of September at Mullen Castle in County Clare. Tickets for the KPMG Women's Irish Open are now on sale. They can be purchased at womensirishopen.ie Jackie, first off, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, it's been a while since we've last spoken on the show. Um, KPMG coming on board for this, Jackie, that seems like a really, really big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. And to be fair, like they've always outlined their commitment to women in sport in particular. I think over the last number of years, you look at what they did with the 20 by 20 campaign. This is definitely just the next step for them. They've always been quite keen on trying to get involved in this space. I'm just really excited about what it's going to mean for young golf fans in this country because... 
you know, you look at what Leona Maguire has done on a global stage now. She's taken it to another level. I think you see the talent that's out there with the likes of Olivia Mahaffey and others who are coming through that there's definitely uh, talent in Irish golf ranks. And I think just for the Irish public to get the chance to watch some global superstars playing here is amazing. Like it's so rarely we get to see professional sport played on this island. So I'm hugely excited about what they're doing and the fact that they've come on board for three years is, is really exciting. And for the first time in 10 years the Irish Open is back which again is another massive step for the sport in the country. Yeah, like and to be honest I think, you know, we're sports fans in general. We love a bandwagon. We don't really care what it is. Like, And suddenly when you realise oh wow, golf, okay, amazing. You see the Irish Open and the, the crowds that it has attracted here in the last number of years to have that on the women's circuit is going to be massive and you've heard heard some of the players talking about what it means uh, for something like this to come home and the fact that it's going to be in Dromolan Castle I think people are going to see a really spectacular venue as well and yeah look I'm, I'm really excited about it it can't come around soon enough <laughs> we've got a wild summer of sport ahead and uh, that's going to be a great crack in September too uh, it certainly will um, I've never been to Dromolan Castle I'm looking at pictures of it right now it just looks absolutely epic yeah, it's class now, to be fair. And they've done a serious job in getting the course ready. I'll be looking forward to the Pro-Am to going around and hacking around it. I'm sure they'll make that after it so we don't destroy it beforehand. But um, yeah, it's an immaculate course. And uh, looking forward to seeing what kind of a field they can assemble because I think that's going to be the most exciting part about all of this. Have you played there before? No. Uh, it's on my long list of places to to, uh, to try to get to, but I will play it between now and then for sure. So how is your golf game in general, Jackie? It's improving, Rory. It's improving, I have to say. If I could get the time at it, it's uh, I've made myself, uh, I mean, stupidly, I know that's the sports people, you think you're going to be brilliant at everything and then you realise, oh, there's actually a fair bit involved in this, you know. But I often said to a few of my friends, I was like, I'm going to be a single digit handicapper by the time I'm 50, right? Which I still have a good way to yeah, go. Yeah. But uh, in my head, that's what I think is going to happen. The reality of it is it's very unlikely. But look at uh, it's nice to have a goal, do you know? It's the most frustra- frustrating, stupid sport in the world and I just can't hack it. But then there's that one shot that keeps you coming back. You hit one shot in a round and you're like, I could turn pro. And then... Sure, you know. look at This is it. That's what keeps you in. It just lowers you into that total false sense of security <laughs> where you hit an amazing shot, you think you're Tiger Woods and then you realise you're actually useless at this game and it's been making a fool of you. But uh, I'm loving it now, I have to say. Like, even just this week, I went out with Valerie Mulcahy, also friend of the show, obviously mm-hmm. a good Cork woman. Emma O'Driscoll, another Cork woman who's an amazing golfer and Nikki Daly, the hockey player. And like even just watching female athletes who are brilliant sports people in their own right picking up a club because everyone thinks they're going to be dynamite and then they hit it a bomb and you're like oh wow you're definitely going to be a golfer there's so many people out there who think they wouldn't be good at it and then particularly camogie players and and hurlers you see the swing and you're like oh wow that's what it drew me to it like I was just looking for something that I could pick up after I stopped playing camogie and to be honest it's the closest thing to it being able to lash the ball and thinking I'm amazing is uh, is only half of it but uh, <laughs> getting out and getting to have the crack playing with the girls is, is definitely the fun mm. part of it too yeah, and as you mentioned uh, Leona Maguire and Stephanie Meadow uh, just a while back I mean like Leona Maguire um, I suppose a weekend to forget for her at the women's PGA but the week before she was in a, a playoff and it's fantastic to see her competing at the, the very top level of her sport 
Oh, yeah. I mean, like, listen, it's only a matter of time. I think once yeah. she started winning, we thought, OK, she's going to keep winning. She's had a bit of a dip since she obviously got that first tour win. But I think the year that she has put down in general, the success that she's had at the Solheim Cup has just taken her to a whole new level. I mean, I have no doubt about it, but Leona Maguire is going to be a superstar, if not already, you know, of world golf, because you can even see the way she is spoken about now on tour by the golf commentators when they see her coming even last weekend when she missed that putt and Jennifer Cupcho had already turned her back she was ready to go and, and play again and then when Leona missed it everyone was surprised mm. which I think if you even go back a year ago maybe not everybody's as familiar with her but the first thing the commentators were able to say is oh that's actually a real strength of her game I'm really surprised that she missed that putt so the world knows who she is now I think it's just a matter of time before she really delivers on that promise but there's a string of golfers coming behind her as well from an Irish point of view Stephanie Meadow had a great week as well um, at Congressional and I just think look you know it's great for, for young Irish golfers to know that you look at the field of Irish male golfers we've had over the years in, you know Patrick Harrington Paul McGinley and then the current rank of, you know, Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, Seamus Power, what they're doing. I think when you look across the female section, you're going to just see more and more Irish stars coming through over the next few years, which is a great thing for, for golf in general. And she said the Irish Open is a massive help for that because kids will be watching this on TV who might never have seen golf before, might never have seen women play golf before and go, well, why can't I do this? Well, that's it, Rory. And to be honest, like, you know, those of us with kids and like, you know, this as much mm -hmm. as I do, all you have to do is expose them to as many sports as you can because you don't know, like my kids might love golf, they might love soccer, they might love hockey, but I don't no, I just want them to go and see as much of it as they can. Having something like this on our doorstep, we never had the choice before. It's not like you could just say, OK, I'm going to take my kids down the road and we're going to go and watch golf because it was harder for them to find. The fact that it's on in this country, it's going to be on on the TV. It might actually bring a whole new generation of fans that never even knew that this sport existed. And I think that's the really good thing about Irish sport in general, that there's just so much of it now. And I think it's just about exposing kids to everything and just showing them that there are stars right across the spectrum in sport is is a really positive thing for kids because all you want to do is give them good role models to look up to and there's no shortage of them at the moment in Irish golf And speaking of stars you were last on this show I think it was, was it September last year for, for Girls Play 2 Book 2 uh, what was the reaction uh, like to book number two? Amazing. Oh my God. Like the whole book series has just blown me away. Like genuinely, I did not expect it to be this successful. I just thought it would be something lovely to do that I wish I had a book like that. And then suddenly it's just become this whole other phenomenon. Like I've spoken to, you know, well over 100 clubs and schools since then. And mm -hmm. just seeing the reaction of kids actually is what the, the real excitement is for me. Because even just when I meet kids at matches now, I was in Croke Park at the weekend and I had a couple of kids come over and tell me who their favourite sports stars were and like that's lovely like to me that that's where the success is so yeah it's been it's been really amazing I'd love to do another one I think just trying to find the time of it is the <laughs> difficulty because uh, people think you can just rattle them out every year uh, which is definitely not the case but um, yeah I think in another couple of years it would be lovely to go at it again because uh, there's a whole new generation of stars coming through and there's no shortage of, uh, of people who could go into the books either that's for sure but yeah it's definitely the success of it has totally blown me away 
me. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about book three. I'd imagine you've got a, kind of got a mental checklist in your head of people who could make book number three at this stage. Yeah, yeah. And like, to be honest, you're constantly watching because you just want to see those stars emerging. Like, And to me, like one of the things that I really love is actually watching even stars from book one continue to shine. Mm. Like, you know, the way that Rachel and Kelly and Leona in particular have gone on and just blown the, the world away in the last year has been phenomenal to watch because, you know, kids are coming up to me saying, oh, you need to rewrite that chapter. And I was like, oh, well, I will eventually, but um, they, they keep winning. So I'll have to wait for a while. Um, and like, look, in, in theory, it would be lovely to have a 10 book series because there's that much talent out there. The reality is really much different because when you take into consideration all the other things and my actual job that I have, uh, which demands a lot of time as well. Um, it is not straightforward, but it's definitely something that will stay in the back of my mind that I might come back to for sure. I mean, we spoke the last time as well, Jack, we spoke, I suppose, about the, the representation of women in Irish sport and how it's improving all the time. And I think even since we last spoke nine months ago, it's improved again. Yeah, like, to be honest, I think with every passing year, it is more and more encouraging what's happening out there, you know, because I think, like, Sometimes it takes a wave where something mega happens and that changes it. And I think like, personally, I think this Republic of Ireland women's team are on the cusp of doing that. I think they're going to bring a whole generation of new fans to Irish soccer that were never there before. You watch them this week, the way that they played against Georgia, and you think, wow, they are changing the game. And I think if this Republic of Ireland women's team can qualify for a major tournament... I genuinely think we're going to see scenes of like Italian 90, Euro 88 um, that we saw with the men's team. I think we could have something like that with the women's team because I really think people previously may have thought, oh yeah, that team are very good, but they weren't very invested in it. Whereas I think now because it's on the TV all the time, mm-hmm. people have had the opportunity to bring their kids to games. I think they're really invested in it. So a big team like that makes a big difference. And then you have like incidents like Leona Maguire going and, and winning with Europe in the Solheim Cup. You've got Rachel Blackmore doing Rachel Blackmore things and just winning on a, on a consistent basis. Mm. Katie Taylor being pound for pound the greatest female boxer of all time. And she just happens to be Irish. Those things actually change a whole mentality very quickly. So big events can have a big impact. And I think the more of them we continue to have, it, it's going to be great. But the landscape is just unrecognisable from what we faced five years ago. It really has just been to me the biggest growing landscape in sport right now is what's happening with women's sport it's just phenomenal it really is and it's absolutely fantastic the Irish Open happening in September what are you looking forward to most of the summer before the Irish Open I suppose oh the All-Irelands at the moment are just wild Mm. like I just you know I mean I think for a while in Covid when we had empty stadiums I think the the GAA championships really suffered and I think being back at it and being in Croke Park and seeing you know okay we haven't had a full house yet but we're definitely going to get a couple of them before the year is out. I think the championships have just been really, really brilliant this year. And to me, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to being in a stadium again, full of people and just being able to embrace our, our national sports because we've really just missed that time together. And I think for me, that's probably the one that I'm looking forward to most. Yeah. Excellent. The KPMG Women's Irish Open takes place in Drolling Castle and County Clare this coming September tickets, womensirishopen.ie. Jackie, as always, a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a million, Rory. Yeah, Rory there speaking to Jackie Hurley on the Women's Irish Open. Um, I suppose just more reaction to, to the big news this evening that Kieran Kingston uh, steps aside as Cork hurling manager, of course, brought Cork to their only All-Ireland final appearance in 16 years and managed them to Munster success in 2017. Of course, his first uh, spell as manager in 16 and 17 and then 2020 to 2022. Cork GEA... Um, 
Chairman uh, Mark Sheehan has said Kieran's commitment to his duties as Cork Senior Hurling Manager knew no bounds and the time devoted in a voluntary capacity was immeasurable. He carried out the role in a dignified manner at all times, fully understanding the importance of his position. We wish him well in his future endeavours and have no doubt he will continue to make a significant contribution to Cork Hurling long into the future. And I suppose as we said, now it's just the process and they have said that the Cork County Executive will immediately commence the appointment process for the position of Cork Senior Hurling Manager um, I suppose uh, names uh, such as Pat Ryan and Wayne Sherlock being mentioned to bring in as a team of course involved with the under 20 set up the last couple of years and calls for outside management as well and of course Davy Fitz's name is being thrown into the hat uh, by a good few people of course involved with Cork Mogie this year so um, yeah, uh, it's uh, interesting times. Uh, let's see what happens. Now, to round out the show, we'll have uh, some audio here from Padraig Harrington. He faced a lot of questions after his round on Friday in Mount Juliet. Um, of course, the Live Tour controversy is still rife. Uh, he also spoke about the upcoming Open. Uh, thanks to Dennis Corwin, who was at the Open, getting us all this audio during the week. The sanctions, certainly, from what you hear on the ground in Europe, the players thought was they were too weak. So I'm surprised that they, they, the live guys felt that they, you know, I'm surprised that the live guys are surprised about the sanctions. You know, I, I said I don't have any issue with any of the guys who've gone. I, I, you know, there's some great money on offer there, and they, 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 you know, we are professional golfers. We're out there making money, and you know, the fact that the moral thing was used for quite a long time but everybody has different morals depends what country you come from depends on your religion it's, it's amazing how different the different cultures are around the world and, and how they how they view something like this so I have no problem with anybody who's gone out there that's that's their decision uh, I'm surprised that if any of them went and didn't fully understand the consequences around the table like the 16 guys going, going against Europe like the sanctions are far harder in the States so I, 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 why, why did they think Europe was, like what are they saying that Europe should go easier they want to be reinstated for the Scottish Open next week but, but the sanctions are harder for the PGA Tour are they saying Europe Europe should be shouldn't shouldn't be as tough as the PGA Tour like, I, I, I don't understand like like as far as the the, the guys, guys on the ground in Europe they think the sanctions should have been harder they think they should have been as hard as the PGA Tour the European Tour have actually given the players a way back if they wanted to come back and there's some of those players who went to first event they would, you know it really gives them the option that the, let's face it the sanctions were, were, were extremely light uh, so you know players could come back after that first event no problem I think it's going to get harder and harder for players to come back but I'm, I'm surprised that they're surprised it was a two week ban it's only a two week ban it's a pathway back it's, a z- <laughs> it's the simplest way back ever two weeks is all they got so there's another thing as well that the 16 players have in that letter that open letter said if you do not rescind the ban or the, the, the fines by 5 o'clock this evening you will leave us with no choice but to employ the various other means and methods at our disposal to rectify these wrongs. Which is, what do you think that sounds like? 
well, it sounds like it's old news. I thought this was what was the pathway everybody knew for the last six months. That if they go, that there would be thing. And was there not lawyers threatened and all this for, for ages? But now the fines have actually been imposed and the players have actually responded and they responded as a united group and they've said basically they're saying if you don't take the fines away, we're going to do something about it in response. So that's kind of today's breaking. I, look, that's, that's a lawyer's thing. I, 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 I just assumed that... I'm shocked this is new news. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm just, I thought this was pretty standard stuff. That the pathway forward was straightforward. That if they go, they'd be banned, which they weren't. Then they would get, uh, the lawyers would get involved, and then we'd talk about uh, uh, injunctions and all that. As I keep saying, the majors are above these, are above the tours. The majors should be sacrosanct, and, and, and the best players should be allowed playing the majors. I, I don't know why these players want to play in Europe. As in, they have the Asian Tour to go and They have world rankings in the Asian Tour if they want to go play there. They, the Asian Tour events are maybe four and five million. Great. I, I, as I said, I have no problem with these guys going there. I'm just surprised that they're interested in coming back here when they, they have a pathway to get there, their, you know, with, with Asia. There's pl- plenty of tournaments. Um, yeah, look. I just thought I really do think this is old news. Honestly, has the DP World come out swinging against that? Because we all know we're the little brother of the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is a colossal. It's a mam. They're they're the, they're the big ones. We've tied up with them, which you know we haven't been in a position to compete with them. You know, I, look, I would have loved, you know, over the last twenty years for the the DP World to be a fair competitor to the PJ Tour but if you looked over the last five six years very few players have, have been playing in Europe uh, so yeah I, I'm, I'm you know I, I think we are the little brother I, I you know we with some kind of independent but like the PJ Tour is the biggest biggest and brightest if you, you can't face that you know we know that we uh, you know be nice if we had certain periods in the year in Europe where we're dominant uh, it is interesting is there certainly room for two big tours is there room for three big tours I don't know uh, going forward but as I said yeah, we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time. Um, uh, yeah, massive day of sport. And also that huge news, once again, the breaking news, Kieran Kingston is to step aside as Cork Senior Hurling Manager. That is it from us. You can catch uh, the podcast on redfm.ie, the big red bench. Jar's on the way Thursday with the women in sport. Uh, Green and Red is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.